Final segment of the show. Countdown to kickoff comes your way at 1230. Always appreciate the discussion with you at 417-7575. Jordan, I liked our little uh, back and forth about the college football playoff rankings, which I I promised myself they wouldn't anger me, but they did. And I was fired up, as always. In studio now, Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, countdown to kickoff. They join us. Thanks, guys, for joining us as always. And oh my goodness, what is that? Yes, Neil came through, and I have in my hand a delicious almond milk latte that is just absolutely capping off what has already been a terrific Saturday morning. So, Neil, my good friend and gentleman, thank you so much. (laughs) You are the ray of sunshine. Yes, you know shame hey, and cheers, guilt. Cheers, shame cheers, and guilt cheers. gets me Thank every time. So I don't know how you. Hey, this, this is the new baby. <laughs> and I, I go Tell you what, the only time you have to get me an almond milk latte is when I have a baby. Okay, no, so. no, we'll keep making. You know, we making bets. We'll sometimes some, adult beverages. Okay, adult sometimes beverages. just PG thirteen. Sometimes an adult just beverage every once in a while. You can't go wrong with coffee or lattes right. or chai exactly, tea in the morning. I'm walking down from the coffee shop, going, "Oh, wait a minute." I can't remember what the hell. What did I lose? <laughs> what bet did I lose? Because you gave me like 80 points for the pool and state I game. Know. So I appreciate that uh, easy yeah. win. Yeah. You gave me like 75. Well, listen, I was just. And then know, I'm going, wait a minute. We're did early we, in the season in our the work ar- relationship, and I wanted to get off to a good it note. It might have been the you. Arizona game. We both had. I don't know. You, you of O by 20. You I might have had so. it by 7. You made a comment. Ah, oh, it's going to be close than your thing. I said, no way. I'll bet you something. So okay. There Why you not? go. Well, Congratulations. Thank you. And Appreciate it, good man. You got a little baby boy. It's awesome. Yeah. By the way, I got to get my... So my granddaughter, Cece, yes. is having her one-year-old birthday party today. Fun. Oh, yeah, so all the family's going over there. So I got two granddaughters. Cece turns one. Okay. So congratulations, congratulations. little Cece. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Got that in. Got well, it. Well, I want to get your guys' thoughts here real quick, because this was a big topic of conversation with Perkins and I, and then we'll get to the Oregon-Utah game. LSU with two losses ahead of Washington State. Do you agree in the college football playoff rankings? I, I do not. Okay. Because of the two losses. Mm. And they're going to go strength of schedule. Thank that, you. That's the whole, but the strength of schedule drives you batty. Mm-hmm. I know that's what uh, Rob Mullins and all those guys will spend probably hours discussing strength mm-hmm. of schedule. Because that's what happens with the University of, of, of uh, Central Florida. Yeah. UCF gets bombed every year. Right. Because they're not in that, the big five. Mm-hmm. They're outside of it. And you do look at that. But then you look at strength of schedule. Okay, Oregon Ducks. Nice first three games yeah. you guys played. Well, you know, uh, it's like saying backed out, right? Okay, but still, ago. here's who you played. <laughs> this is true. I don't care who backs out. Here's who you played. And Washington State gets bumped for that because they beat Wyoming and et cetera. So it's always a strength of schedule thing, guys. That's what it always comes down to. And everybody, lo- everybody except for the West Coast, loves the SEC. You play in the SEC, yeah. oh, my God, you got to be, like, really good. Well, has Washington State beat anybody the, as good as Georgia this year? Oh, that's LSU the thing. crushed Georgia. Nobody, Their two losses are yeah. road to Florida in yeah. the Swamp, who is currently a, a top-12 team, mm-hmm. and home to the best team in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the conversation, or the way that you could bring it up, too, is, all right, if today LSU and Washington played at a neutral site, who would you favor between those two teams? I know and Washington I or Washington State. Washington State or LSU at a neutral site. A neutral site. I, I would probably favor LSU, and I think that's maybe uh, where would, some of those conversations might be taking place. Is mm-hmm. on a neutral site, where do you put these teams when you yeah. do get to that splitting hairs between strength of schedule, and whatnot? See, but, but but we're living on the preconceived notion here that the SEC is just better than everybody else, top to bottom. They are. Kentucky. They are. That is true. That is true. It's not a. Are you comparing the SEC to the Pac-12 right now? I mean, the Pac-12 is the worst Power Five conference this year, and the SEC is the best Power Five. 
Look, Alabama is obviously going to beat everybody by 40, so this whole discussion is moot. But we have Kentucky right now sitting at 12th in the country after getting the doors. Kentucky! Kentucky has no prestige in college football, who has not been relevant in college football, I think, since I've been in high school, and I'm 31 years old. But then that doesn't go to the rankings whether you've been relevant recently. Oh, my God, yes, it does. Miami was, (laughs) I mean, come on. Preseason it does. But I think for what a team's done during the year, they're not going to say, well, they've been good the last three years. I mean, that's why when you you said, oh, they, they beat Miami to start the year, LSU, okay, well, Miami He's five and four on the season. So yeah. who cares but if they're ranked, ranked win to at start the, time. the year? Kentucky is ranked ahead of a multitude of one loss teams, ranked ahead of, of UCF, which is fair because once again, who has UCF played? Me, you, Neil, bef- after, after Neil retired. Um, but I just, I feel like the, conf- the SEC conference is very top heavy, like most conferences in the country. But they are completely overrated, top to bottom. I don't know, man. Ask Texas A&M. All right, yeah. they, they took Clemson down to the wire, and they are five and four team. They took Cle- they should have yeah. beaten the number two team in the country. Kentucky is a top five rushing team in the country. And how they do and against Georgia? Against the, one of the best rushing <laughs> uh, defenses in one of the best. Uh, they beat Missouri, who yeah. went on the road and crushed Florida. I mean, the parity in the SEC. The parity in the SEC is exponentially better in terms of quality football than this year's Pac-12. It's just it just is. It is. And normally I don't just give the SEC right. all the love in the world, but the Pac-12 is just that average this year. This 2018 Pac-12. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I just fall asleep at halftime when I watch SEC games because they're so boring. <laughs> but a question, Peter, but, you asked right now, right now, would you rank a WSU team ahead of LSU in the college football playoff rank? Yes, because of two losses, and Washington has one. Now, a couple weeks from now, after that Apple Cup, let's revisit that. They yeah. beat Washington. Because they host Arizona next week. Well, correct? I think if Washington State wins out, they move ahead of LSU. So, I know. Well, they, they, think, yeah. As long as you they take care of your business. Do, yeah. Yeah. Which don't is knock Kentucky. You, the don't damn knock trap Kentucky. You remember about eight or nine committee. years ago, Lorenzo, that like the 280-pound yeah. quarterback for yeah. Kentucky, they had LSU beat. You remember that game? Mm-hmm. And I think it was Randall. Who was a quarterback for yeah, LSU? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He they, threw they, they, they don't call the timeout. If you remember this game, let me kind of summarize for you really quickly. Kentucky goes up by like a point. To kick a field goal, but point, but they don't call a timeout. Uh-huh. They, I mean, they do call a timeout. So there's 20 seconds left. Kentucky kicks off. They do one pass and then a hail mary, and they get it. Devery yeah. Henderson. Remember, That's right. I, you the remember blue, that like eight grass, or nine years ago? Bluegrass yep. miracle. Yep. There you go. Yep. Judah Newby doesn't even look it up. Doesn't well, even Google hey, it. It's, it's just a, in his mind. It's a great, it's great. You remember because yeah. Kentucky is so irrelevant in football. Okay, there you go. <laughs> one damn sure. game. Man, and they should have won. But yeah, but but I do want to get to this Oregon Utah game here today, and, <laughs> yeah. and Neil, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Oregon's win against UCLA. The takeaway was okay, good, not great. And it seems like they're finally starting to rebound a little bit after getting shell shocked on the road the last couple of weeks. But it seems like it to me on the road at Utah today for Oregon, being able to stay on schedule in their offense, not having just 20 runs to 45 passes, but getting that rushing attempt number up to about 30, keeping Herbert's pass attempts around low 30s possibly. It seems like that'll be the key for Oregon is to stay on schedule and not fall behind early in this one. Well, what do they want to stay on? Are, are you kidding me, though? When you lose 85% of your offense, let's just get right to the fact. You lose your starting quarterback. And you lose your number one, the fourth leading rusher in the Pac-12, and Zach Moss. So eighty-five mm-hmm. percent of your offense is gone. Let's just—I mean, come on, Oregon should win. Yep, will win. It's just how by how much. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it right now. We can talk about offense, defense. Stephen Jones at left tackle, and C.J. Vardell going down. More than Dylan Mitchell. And I, come on, 
you just lost 85% of your offense. Now you had Shelly comes in, he's had four or five days of reps, but you lose Zach Moss. Now we can all talk about the defense, how good Utah is, but come on. I've been there. You, you lose your starting quarterback and you lose your top running back. Mm -hmm. Jordan, this should be, to me, a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer. You would think so, but against Arizona, we thought it was going to be a no-brainer against one of the worst rushing defenses in the conference, and Oregon couldn't get the ball running against them. So that's why it's this Oregon team is still an enigma, and I don't feel like a lot of those questions were necessarily answered against UCLA. But, but Khalil Tate woke up, and they have a pretty good offense there as well, but Oregon played really flat. I'm, I'm just Let's just look at the facts. The facts are... You're losing 85% of your offense. And I agree with you. Oregon should win this game because of that reason right there. That's the biggest thing right there. And I think for the Ducks, as long as you go out there and play a solid game and not commit a bunch of dumb, silly mistakes to keep Utah in it, you right. should win this game. You should. You very well should. <laughs> Let's Judah. go, Kentucky. <laughs> hey, I like Kentucky. Brian's still them. steaming over yeah, here. He is steaming. I, I fell into the trap. I said you last did. week, He's I went this whole thing, don't fall oh, in. They, they just, just want you to discuss. They just put a bag of Doritos oh, in that bear trap for you, Perkins. Well, and you would think and Rob, Mullins, Rob Mullins should give the Pac-12 more love. And he probably is. It's nobody else he's that trying. probably is. Yeah. I just I, I, I just fell into it, and I told myself not to do it, but I do it every year. They so do these rankings intentionally left. to create conversation. That's why they do it. It'll all work itself out. A lot of football left. We're going to hang around. Countdown to kickoff is next. Judah and Neil, Jordan, and I are going to hang around as well. Thanks for listening to the Oregon College Football Show. Week 11 in the college football calendar, and welcome in to Countdown to Kickoff. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Coming up, we'll talk to Nick Aliotti in about 15 minutes. We'll go live to Salt Lake at the top of the 2 o'clock hour with James Creppy of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. But first, we continue crosstalk with Brian Perkins and Jordan Kent, the co-hosts of the Oregon College Football Show. Lively discussion a few minutes ago on the college football rankings. And as we enter into countdown to kickoff, I open with this. Yes, we think that the Ducks should be able to take care of business in this game. Yes, Utah is down their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, and they enter in a freshman, Jason Shelley. Yes, they're going to a backup running back as well, and they're coming off their worst loss of the season to Arizona State, a game that Kyle Whittingham said was their worst played game since the Oregon game last year when they came to Autzen and Oregon ran for 350 yards on them. So why, why is Oregon a four-point underdog right now? Right now, a buddy texted me and said, Bovada has Oregon as a four-point underdog right now. Why? When we try to put that into context and, and give that a rationale, what do you think people are looking at with the Ducks going into Rice-Eccles against a backup quarterback and a backup running back and Utah coming off that ASU loss? Why is Oregon still an underdog, Jordan? You look at how Oregon performed on the road their last two games, Washington State and Arizona, huge first-half deficits, a complete abysmal performance against the Wildcats. And so I think you're looking at that when you're looking at Oregon. You're seeing the struggles on the offensive line, and you see them at home. Even though they get a win against UCLA, outside of some big-time plays on special teams, it wasn't very convincing. It seemed like UCLA stubbed their toe more so than Oregon won that game at times. And then I'm also keeping an eye on the injuries at offensive line for Oregon as well, too, thinking, okay, this is an offense that's struggling going on the road, and while Utah is down a huge percentage of their offense, their defense is still there. And so the thought process is maybe Utah can still generate enough offense to where they can have the advantage over Oregon's offense, which is going to struggle on the road against a Utah defense that's arguably better than the Arizona and Washington State defenses that Oregon struggled against so mightily the last couple of games. But 
I, I don't see Oregon losing this one. And, and Neil, you pointed it out. Utah is losing 85% of their offense without their starting quarterback and starting running back. Well, I'm finishing texting my buddy at Vegas. I'm going to double down now. <laughs> Instead of 1,000, I'm going 2,000 because I didn't think the four points was still there. So I'm taking the four points and going with it, and we'll go coffees on that for sure, sure man. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we'll he agrees, though. Yeah, I, know, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, or you look at Oregon, they haven't been this, this sexy offensive machine that we've all expected after the first three or four weeks. You know, laying the egg at Washington State, Arizona game. Do they smell the blood, and all of a sudden they're going down there, and, oh, my God, look at the situation that's presented ourselves. You don't feel sorry for anybody. This is big-time college football. You take advantage of it, and you go out and win by 21, 28 points. You know, the guy that I feel sorry for is Troy Taylor. His second-year OC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham's had, what, seven or eight different offensive coordinators in 10 years? He's I don't had, know what this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor's the eighth new OC in the last nine years Wow, at one program. That's unfathomable to me. So they're trying to figure out who they are offensively. I mean, Coach Whittingham's been this great coach on special teams. He really had Utah's always been the special teams. Hey, don't the Australian punters. Remember 2015 and, at Autzen where they did yeah, a fake yeah. kick return he, for 60 yards. So defensively, they're always solid. They boy, they recruit the Islanders uh, so well. The Poly community loves going to Utah. There are some studly defensive players uh, from those mm-hmm. type of cultures. They really are, and they play hard and they play well. You know, Oregon's got that's just the culture now. Uh, I see it in high school more than anything else. I mean, they're it's it's a football. From rugby to football, it's a cool transition for a lot of that culture. So getting back to your point, Jordan, though, I think the bookmaker and all these guys, Oregon just haven't shown the killer instinct. They haven't. You haven't come out and just go, bam, put 48 on them and act like you are got a Heisman Trophy quarterback who should be a number one pick, yep. top ten pick, and you got a great running game. you got this stud offensive line with a stud offensive line-style coach who's Mr. Physicality. Where have you been? Yeah, way more questions than answers for Oregon over their last three games in which they've gone one and two. The victory over UCLA and the two big losses to Washington State and Arizona. And I go back to the injuries on the offensive line have really, really disrupted Oregon's offensive flow because you can't protect Justin Herbert. You can't open up holes in the running game. And we've seen them struggle to get anything going offensively early in games. And on the road, they fell down big, which threw them off schedule, which means they're throwing the ball 40 to 50 times and only running it. 15 to 16 times designed, because remember, those 22 carries is Herbert scrambling seven times in those games also. And that's why if you're Oregon, you can't go on the road and make big mistakes and give Utah a short field. Give them a 14-0 advantage, and then all of a sudden it's rinse and repeat from what happened at Washington State and Arizona. You have to make sure you play a sound, fundamental game. And I think if you do that... You have more talent than Utah. You should win out at the end of the day. But you can't make those mistakes that young teams make on the road to let a Utah team with a freshman quarterback, with a backup running back, start to get some confidence and take momentum. In this and game. one major uh, advantage that Oregon has done, and give credit to uh, Coach Cristobal and their staff, they were number one in penalties last year. Mm-hmm. Number one. Mm-hmm. Like number five or six in the nation, averaging nine and a half penalties. He has corrected that. You talked about the mistakes, being focused. Let's get discipline. He's got that to 2.5 to three penalties. And that's huge on the road. They yeah. have not been good on the road, but it hasn't been the penalties. Just one penalty last week against UCLA. And it's so interesting against Utah. And Brian, I want to get your perspective on this because you're a big-time Utah fan. Oregon really struggled hey. on defense for years, for you know, for, they had that two, three-year stretch where they were really, really bad on defense, unfortunately, when you look at the stats. 
they made a decision to go out and get Jim Levitt, to get a defensive guy to fix it. And you look at how much that's helped Oregon. You could argue with Utah here, Brian, that they're short just an OC of being a very dominant team in the South year in, year out. It seems like that's where they stubbed their toe. So if I'm Utah, do I think about going out there and getting one of the top OCs or paying top dollar to get a consistent OC and finally get that third missing puzzle piece for my team? I mean, it feels like it, but also they, they don't seem to have the talent on offense either. And and Neil's 100% correct. When I went to school uh, in Salt Lake, the, the Polynesian community is very big there. And literally and figuratively, because yeah. they have a lot of a lot of meat on their bones and Not it's, a lot of wide receivers no, in the poly community. No, no, no. <laughs> a lot of defensive and offensive linemen that can push you around. So I, I mean, yeah, I think that speaks to it, it it's mind boggling, like Judah said, that they've had so many coordinators, but that's all they're missing. The mm. missing piece for Utah to be a dominant team, not only in the conference, but to be in the national conversation, the missing link has always been on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. It's it's I mean, plain and simple. And Clearly, they haven't found a solution yet, but they were starting to get some rhythm and some continuity, and then the injuries derailed things, clearly. Mm. To your point, too, Jordan, just a one penalty last week was the targeting foul against Jake Hansen, making him unavailable at center today Mm -hmm. in the first half. I think the start of this game is going to be so important. You don't want to give a redshirt freshman quarterback confidence in a close game early. And without one of your captains and your seniors on the uh, offensive line at the center position, that's certainly a question mark. Rice Eccles Stadium, normally one of the toughest places to play. Oregon's won there each of the last two times. Mm-hmm. 2014, we all remember the Kalen Clay fumble. We'll play that highlight coming up later in our show. <laughs> That's right. 2016, the last second touchdown pass to the back of the end zone to Darren Carrington from Justin Herbert. And uh, really, Justin Herbert, 325 yards passing in that game as a freshman in 2016. His most passing yards in any road game in his Oregon career. So good memories at this place. Yeah, I mean, they had a very talented team still that year. And that was a team that was ravaged by injuries throughout the season. And they finally started to get a little bit healthier towards the end of the year. And you saw them put together some decent performances. But I look at this game again, and I continue to focus on those changes on the offensive line. You have Throckmorton moving to center, and he's really been a Swiss Army knife for the Ducks on the offensive line. Well, just the simple things. Snap count. Mm. Getting the ball from the center to the quarterback. That transition. You know, I think it was Washington State. The Ducks really struggled with that at the beginning of the game, and it felt like it just put pressure on the offensive line. You know, avoiding those false start penalties in a loud stadium when you've got a freshman left tackle. Those are the things that you really got to dial in if you're Oregon. And you have control over that. That's the good thing. There's nothing that that Utah front's going to do that makes it hard to snap the ball to Justin Herbert. There's nothing that Utah defense is going to do that won't allow you to get off on the snap count at the right time. Oregon's got to make sure they do that, especially in the first half with no Jake Hansen, right. because he's then eligible to play in the second half. Well, and recognize uh, protection. Yeah, your center is the one. Jake Hansen's the one that recognizes is it four down, is it three down? Who's the Mike backer? A lot of times you'll see the quarterback point out 53, 50. But usually the center is looking around, uh, making sure they're all confirming what the protection is or what scheme the zone is. Is it zone right or zone left? So now you got Calvin Throckmorton going to center. He's been a vet. He is a vet. So I'm assuming he's going to communicate that all. But as you said, you know, they're shotgun 99.9% of the time. It's shotgun. I don't see a whole lot of issues. I'm sure he's done it in the past. 
But crowd noise, everything, he's an experienced guy. I don't see a big problem. I'm looking forward to watching Steven Jones play, though. Uh, that's that's right. left tackle. He graded out really well last that's week. That's blind side. Mm-hmm. All right, well, when we get out, Perkins, do you have a call on this game? 2017, Oregon. And Jordan, you already 24, said 24-21, Oregon. Not 31-17? 31-17, Oregon, right? yeah, You say 31-17. <laughs> <laughs> 24-21? 24-21, yeah. All right, Jordan, Brian, pleasure as always. We'll do <laughs> Thanks it again. again, fellas. Next week for Arizona State. More countdown to kickoff. Nick Aliotti joins the show coming up.